Staying true to America's national destiny, the voice of the awakening. Your host, Bishop E. W. Jackson. See, because it's an acknowledgement that God knows you better than you know yourself. You think you know yourself, but you really don't know yourself. Not like God knows you. Amen? And when God has something for you, you need to be open and to see where, where God wants to lead you. Because I guarantee you, I don't care how it looks from a distance, when you get there, you're going to say, well, praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'm glad, I'm glad you got me and he's glad you're kicking and screaming pretty much. Well, Lord, thank you. Thank you for the blessing. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Uh, Mrs. Jackson, um, you know, we've tried to find a job in Chesapeake for in, in teaching. And something finally opened up in Newport News, but pretty, pretty way up in Newport News. But it was kindergarten teaching and she wasn't that hot on that or wasn't that hard on going to Newport News. And she was a little upset by the whole thing because she wanted to stay, stay close to home. And I said, well, look, let's do this. Let, let's go give it a try. I said, well, you know, you're not bound. If, if you decide you just really don't like it, quit. God will take care of us. Quit. But, you know, give it a shot. So we prayed about it, and she said, yeah, I'm, I'm going to give it a shot. Next time she came up, I am so glad that the Lord sent me up there. I really love it. <laughs> Amen. So, and, and we're all like that. We, you know, we think we know what we want, but God really knows best what we want. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, so it says, in the seventh verse, it says, uh, after they had come to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia, Bithynia, and the Spirit did not permit them. So passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel there. Therefore, sailing from Troas, we ran a straight course to Samothrace, and the next day came to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is the foremost city of that part of Macedonia, a colony, and we were staying in that city for some days. Ah, part of protection is, you gotta be where God wants you. He didn't end up in Philippi by accident. In fact, I looked at the map. God wanted him to go this way, Paul wanted to go that way. Because Bithynia, uh, um, where Philippi was almost direct west, a little bit north. Bithynia was way northeast. That's where he wanted to go. And, 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 and Asia, the churches that are mentioned in Revelation, they were way south. In other words, he, was going, he wanted to go in exactly the opposite direction where God wanted him to go. Guess what? Even though you want to do the right thing, if you're in the wrong place at the wrong time, you become vulnerable to Satan because you are not where God, see, God's plan includes your protection. Amen? So, so that job, and I've said this many, many times, you, are, you should never, ever, ever make a decision about a job, a house, a car, a marriage, <laughs> without knowing in your heart that God has blessed this thing, that, that the anointing of God is on it, that it's right for you, that it's what God has for you. And if you've got any doubts whatsoever, don't do it. If you've got doubts, don't do it. Until you get, have that conviction. When we moved down here from Chesapeake, we came to a point, or at least I did, since Jackson came to a point a little later, but we came to a point where I just knew that I knew that I knew this is where we're supposed to come. 
I just knew it. Because you don't pick up and sell your house and move 700, five, 600 miles, whatever it is, because you just feel like it. You better know where God is directing you. And then we got down here, the first thing that happened was Hurricane Isabel. So now you know if I've been weak, I'd have said, well, Lord, it's clear that I made a mistake and you sent that hurricane to send me back to Boston. But I knew that God had us here. And so when I saw the hurricane coming, I said, well, Lord, I know there ain't nothing but the devil trying to blow me out of my, my place for you. And I, I walked around the house and read Proverbs 10, 25. When the whirlwind passes by, the wicked are no more, but the righteous have an everlasting foundation. I, just, I said, Lord, I just cover our house in protection. I tell you, trees fell to the left, trees fell to the right, cars got smashed. Across the street, the neighbor's porch got completely tore out, tree fell on and smashed it. Ain't nothing touch our house. Amen. And look, the tree, a tree on our property got bent, but it bent over toward our neighbor's house. <laughs> and the neighbor came to me and said, can you cut your tree down? Looks like it might fall on my house. <laughs> so, so we cut the tree down. But I couldn't have done that if I wasn't sure that I'd made the right decision. Amen? Amen. So when you're making these big decisions, where are you going to work? Any big purchase, you're going to buy a house. You, look, we were looking at a, a church to buy, but I told the church, I said, it's not bearing witness in my spirit. It's just, I said, it's just not, I, I just don't have that. And finally, God made clear to me, no, that's not it. That's not it. Amen. You got to be sure because you could be doing the right thing. But if you're in the wrong place at the wrong time, you are still outside of God's protection. Now, look, you can repent of that when you realize it and God will come in and, and, and move you right back. But on the other hand, you don't want to have to go through those extra steps before you make the move. The Bible says in Proverbs three verses um, three through five, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your past. And people come to me all the time and say, well, Bishop, how do I know God is directing my path? I say, you believe that scripture? Yes. That's how you know. Because see, you, you can't, look, the Bible says they that are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. So you can't be led by the third red car that came by your house when you walked out. I mean, and people do this kind of crazy stuff. I'm going to put out a fleece. Put out a fleece. Folks, I got news for you. Gideon wasn't saved. He didn't know how to hear from God. When God told him and told him he had a commission from him, Gideon said, not me. I, I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm the least in my house. My tribe is the least in the, in, the, in the nation. I mean, no, not me. Put out a fleece. And by the way, you ought to read the rest of the story because Gideon went completely off. Completely off. You have the Spirit of God. If you're saved, you've got the Spirit of God in you. You don't need no fleece. You just need to wait on God, amen, not move until, you, until you're clear where God is leading you. Then you can move with conviction, amen? And I guarantee you, if you've got a pastor who knows God, when you come, you really believe God has, has spoken to you, he's going to bear witness in your spiritual leader's heart. Now, I don't mean now, because, you know, see, he, this stuff can get squirrely. You know, Pastor, the Lord told me to sow $1,000 a day. I know it. Yes, praise God. I got a witness in my spirit right now. Well, of course. <laughs> now, I'm talking about really hearing from God in behalf of your people and going to God and saying, Lord, what do you want me to say? I mean, they've come to me with this. You, you give me what you have for me. And look, sometimes I tell people things they don't want to hear. Amen. And sometimes they follow them and they get blessed as a result. And sometimes they don't and they have to suffer the consequences. My job is to tell them what thus saith the Lord, amen? amen? 
Amen. Amen. So let's go to Acts. Um, uh, drop down now to. Actually, let's, let's, let's leave the book of Acts for now. Let's go back to Philippians. Let's go to Philippians. We've been talking about the, Philippi, the Philippian church. Let's go to Philippians. So basically, I showed you how Paul got to Philippi. He was trying to go somewhere else. Show you how he got there. And by the way, I'm, I'm, I'm going to wrap all this up because you ought to have some questions in your mind about a couple things that, that I've said. But if you don't, I'm going to raise them for you. Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. Now remember, this is the church that, first of all, we just saw Paul delivered in that prison. And now we've just seen how Paul got there because he was going somewhere else and God redirected his path and sent him to Philippi. So now he's writing back to the church at Philippi about 10 years later. Read it with me. It says, Paul and Timothy, bond servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ who are in Philippi with the bishops and deacons. So now we know, now it's no longer a jailer who's saying, what must I do to be saved? Now you got bishops and deacons who have been appointed in that region as a result of that ministry having gotten started. Read on. It says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Now stop right there. Now most of the time people would read that and think, well, he remembers them. But now you know he's not just remembering them in a general way. He remembers, man, they had me locked up, chained to a wall. And I thank God every time I think about the fact that we were singing and praising God and the, and the earthquake shook the jail and cut everybody loose. So I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. You know, you have some moments in your life where God did wonderful things for you. You ought to never forget those. You ought to continually come back to those. Look, God wants to do new things for you. But you know, there's a song that came out not too long ago that I like say, if he did it before, he'll do it again. You ought to always remember what God has already done for you. Amen? Amen. 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 Now reading on, it says, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Now you know what the first day is he's talking about. From that very day when I was in that prison and the jailer got saved, from that day up until now, you all have been wonderful. You all have just been coming along, just been moving forward in the things of God. See, one of the things that Christians don't understand is when you come to Christ, you come as a babe. You're supposed to grow. You're not supposed to remain where you are. If, if you come to God and you got some issue in your life, that issue ought to get solved at some point. I mean, so, you know, I have people, they get saved and they smoke. Well, you ought to be delivered from smoking. I have people get saved and maybe they got some other kind of bad habits. You ought to get delivered from that. Because people get saved and they have debt problems. Well, you ought to get delivered from that. At some point, you ought to come out of that. Because God is concerned about your financial well-being. And guess what? Debt is a killer. It's a killer. At some point, you ought to say, Lord, deliver me out of that. You know, I was telling this young man, uh, uh, Brother Kareen, I said, look, my wife and I use credit cards as convenience. I don't have credit card debt. I pay the credit card bill every month when it comes due. I ain't paying no $25 on a $10,000 or $5,000, and then, you know, I'm going to be paying for the next 30 years. No, 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 no. I have no credit card debt, but I got several credit cards. But guess what? It wasn't always like that because I used to think the credit card was money. 
<laughs> you know? <laughs> and then when the bill got high enough, <laughs> I started to realize that those payments were a little bit of a problem. <laughs> and I said, well, Lord, deliver me. <laughs> so I'm not going back anymore. Amen. <laughs> amen. Amen. And look, and I use credit cards, and just to give you all just a little bit, I use credit cards a lot because I got a lot of business that I do, and you know, that's how you pay for a lot of things, and I have credit card bills come in, I think the highest credit card bill I had come in, come in one month was $12,000. I paid it that month because I wasn't spending money I didn't have. I knew I could pay it because I had the money, but I was just using the credit card to get things done because, you know, you can't do business with cash and checks as easily today as you can with a credit card. So don't, you know, what, look, the point is, whatever it is, you gotta grow. You gotta move forward, you gotta develop. Your prayer life ought to be stronger. Your understanding and knowledge of the word ought to be stronger. Your faith ought to be stronger. The Bible says faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Your faith ought to be stronger because somebody ought to be sowing faith into your life that causes you literally every week to get a little bit stronger, a little bit stronger, a little bit stronger, amen? Amen, amen. Okay, read on, it says, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Now, you know, you've heard that before. He that has begun a good work in you, and now you know what he was talking about. He was talking about, yeah, he, what God did, that amazing thing he did in that jail, guess what? He's going to keep doing amazing things for you. Hallelujah. He says, just as it is right for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my chains... And in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers of my grace. Now see, he's in my chains. He's not only referring to, some argue that he was in Rome in prison at the time of this writing, but I think he's also, even if that's true, he's also writing about the fact that he was in chains in Philippi and they all knew it. I'm sure they, they everybody who joined the church probably, they told him, you know how this church got started? No, how? Man, the Apostle Paul was here. They locked him up. They put him in chains in a prison. And the Lord shook the prison and knocked the chains off of him. I'm sure people heard that story again and again and again. And when they read that, they thought, man, God is still doing it. Because what Paul says, here, you are all partakers of my grace. That word partakers is a Greek word that means you are all partners. Partners in my gifting. Partners in my anointing. In other words, Paul was saying the same things you've seen God do with me, he'll do with you. See, that's the nature of partnership and relationship in Christ. You know, people don't understand this because, and, and partly I understand why, because it's abused. It's abused. But, but a spiritual leader doesn't just teach, he imparts. He imparts an anointing. He imparts an empowerment. And what Paul is saying, you are all partakers of my grace. He didn't say you all learn from me. He said you are all partakers of my grace. In other words, he's saying everything that you've seen and learned from me, that's operating in your life. He's encouraging them. You operate in power. You operate knowing that God will protect you. You operate knowing that God will, will intervene and, and help you and rescue you. In other words, you all keep that in mind because you're partakers of what God has done with me. Amen? Amen. Amen. That's, that's the nature of that relationship. And I say people don't understand it in part because it can be abused. Well, you know, people end up trying to turn the church into slaves for them. And that, you know, manipulating people, using the Bible to manipulate people. And I, I won't get all off into that, but we've seen it happen all too much. And it's, it's very dangerous. I don't know how anybody can stand before God and, and, um, and pull that kind of mess and think that God is going to uh, approve of that or treat that lightly. Um, 
All right. Let's go to uh, Acts chapter 27. Acts chapter 27. By the way, as you're going there, Paul finally said in Philippians 1.28, he said, we're not in any way terrified, you not be in any way terrified by your adversaries, which is to them a proof of perdition, but to you salvation and that from God. What was he saying? Just like we weren't terrified when they told us, shut up. We weren't terrified. We're down in the prison singing. Don't you all be terrified when they threaten you either. All right. Let me try to wrap this up before noontime. It says Acts chapter 27. Go to verse 9. Now, we know that toward the end of the book of Acts, Paul's on his way to Rome, and of course, he's on a ship, and the ship ends up in trouble. Read at the beginning, verse 9, it says, Now, when much time had been spent, and sailing was now dangerous because the fast was already over, Paul advised them, saying, Men, I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster and much loss, not only of the cargo and ship, but also of our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion was more persuaded by the helmsman and the owner of the ship than by the things spoken, spoken by Paul. Now go to verse 13. It says, When the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their desire, putting out to sea, they sailed close by Crete. But not long after, a tempestuous headwind arose called Eurachlodon. Now, they wouldn't listen to Paul. But Paul was discerning some things, and they wouldn't listen. They, you know, they ain't paying no attention to Paul. Paul's not, a, he's not an expert. And you know, they say the same thing about preachers. Preachers aren't, preachers aren't experts on public policy. Preachers aren't experts on foreign policy. Preachers don't know nothing about this. Preachers, we know by the Spirit of God Amen. things that the world can't grasp. Do you all know one of the famous cries during the Revolutionary War was no taxation without representation? Do you know that was a, 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 a phrase from a sermon by Jonathan Mayhew? Yeah, it was a preacher who said that. And people picked up on it and said, yeah, exactly, that's what we mean. And basically what he was saying was, when people take your money without the proper authority or justification for doing so, they turn you into slaves. No taxation without representation. One of the phrases that was, was prevalent during the Revolutionary War period was, no king but Jesus, no sovereign but God. That came from a preacher by the name of Jonas Clark who had said that when confronted by some British soldiers who told people, lay down your arms in the name of King George. And, and Jonas Clark said, we have no king but Jesus, no sovereign but God. And that went throughout all the colonies, began to unite them under that banner. So saints, we have wisdom that the world doesn't understand. Amen? Amen. And Paul saw some things that he didn't understand. All right, go to uh, the 21st verse of the chapter uh, 27. 21st verse. It says, but after long abstinence from food, then Paul stood in the midst of them and said, Men, you should have listened to me and not have sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. See, I told you so. Uh, and now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For there stood by me this night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar, and indeed, God has granted you all those who sail with you. Therefore, take heart, men, for I believe, God, that it will be just as it was told to me. Praise God. Listen, saints, when you are in the midst, if you know who you are, you got protection. You got protection, and guess what? That protection in yours to everybody around you. Because the Bible says God granted Paul all those people. He granted him. Now, you know what that means? Think about this. If Paul hadn't been on that ship, they'd all died. So I've, evidently, Paul was praying for them. Paul was saying, Lord, don't let these people die. 
Lord, save them. The Bible says an angel came and said, he's granted you your request. The ship is going. But the people are going to be saved because Paul was on the ship and Paul was praying. Now, go to Acts 28, verses 1 through 6. Acts 28, 1 through 6. Now, after they've shipwrecked, they end up on the Isle of Malta. Notice what it says. It says, now when they had escaped, they then found out that the island was called Malta, and the natives showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and made us all welcome because of the rain that was falling and because of the coal. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. Now, when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer, whom though he has escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow to live. But he shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. However, they were expecting that he would swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But after they had looked for a long time and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. <laughs> now, look. Here's the question that this really raises, that all of this raises. Well, Bishop, if we're under, Paul, under God's protection, you've told us stories about Paul in prison, Paul in shipwreck, Paul getting bitten by a viper. I mean, that doesn't sound like protection. Let me tell you something. You're not getting through this life without trouble. That's not going to happen. The question is not whether trouble comes. The question is how you handle it. The question is what the outcome is. And by the way, notice what the world does. The world, when they see you having trouble, they say, yeah, you must not be serving God right. Something ain't right with you. Look at that. Look at that. Yeah, yeah. now if you were serving God, see, you wouldn't be having a, yeah, you know. Now look, I'm not talking about us bringing trouble on ourselves. We can bring trouble on ourselves. We, we shouldn't be doing that. But trouble, Jesus said, in the world you shall have tribulation. He said, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. And so this viper jumps out and bites Paul. And they say, that's it, he's done. Saints, Satan is going to try to bite you. There's no question about it. The car has a major bill just when you can least handle it. Thought you had your stuff together, and bam, it broke down. Man, it's going to cost you 900 Oh, my goodness. I mean, Satan's going to come at you. There's going to be trouble. The question is how you handle it. Notice, Paul didn't get shaken. The Bible says in Psalm 112, the, the person who puts their trust in God is not moved by evil tidings. You don't fall all apart. You don't go to pieces. You don't say, oh, oh woe is me. How could it? No, you just say, yeah, Lord, thank you for my deliverance. Thank you for my help. Thank you for delivering me, bringing me out of this mess. Amen? Amen. Look, don't, don't expect to go through life and don't let anybody teach you that if you're a Christian and you really believe in God, there's never going to be a problem in your life. Satan is never going to come at you. This sickness, disease, trouble of some kind is not, that's a, that's a lie. That's a lie. Even Jesus had a financial issue. Peter came to him and said, they said, we owe taxes. Jesus said, well, go down there and catch a fish. There's an answer. Amen? Amen? There's an answer. Amen. Praise God. And that's what you got to be focused on. And then how you respond to the situation. Because if you, you can measure in part your Christian maturity by this. How down do you get when something goes wrong? Because let me tell you something. The further down you get, the lower your faith level. 
Because if your faith level is high and something goes wrong, guess what? My trust is in Jesus. I'm worried about no mess like that. Hallelujah. I mean, look, Jesus was on a ship. The ship was rocking and rolling and, and everything, and Jesus was asleep. And they woke him up, and he got irritated. What's wrong with you all? Where's your faith? How many of you have been in an airplane when the turbulence gets bad? <laughs> now, you may not believe this, but I've learned to let it put me to sleep. Because I told Sister Jackson, I said, I said, you know, I didn't even realize we had landed. Sister Jackson, you didn't realize we had landed. You didn't feel all that turbulence? You didn't feel that plane shaking? I said, no, uh-uh, I was sleeping. I learned that from him, from my master. Because look, saints, because I know that plane's not going down with me on it, Amen. period. Because I'm going somewhere to do something that God has commanded me to do, that plane ain't going nowhere. And God forbid if the plane, <laughs> if the plane goes down, does several flips and turns and wings go everywhere and the fuselage goes everywhere and they say, oh, it looks like there's no survivors. They're going to look up and say, well, here's somebody getting out. <laughs> Amen. Because I believe that if you are doing the will of God, you're not going anywhere until God is done with you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. But, but I don't put my trust in pilots. I put my trust in God. Like, look, you saw this angel I taught last time. There are angels all around this room right now. There are angels around you right now. Amen. But listen, they're waiting for you to speak the word of faith. That's how they act. That's how they behave. If you walk out of here saying, well, you know what? I'll tell you what. That was good. But he don't know. I got a problem. And ain't nobody can do nothing about that. And the angels sit by looking at us. Well, why do you think they don't want anybody to do anything about it? We're supposed to help them. Well, we can't. They, they, they say they don't want it. You got to know, you got to have confidence Amen. that God will help you. Amen? That God will, we will be there for you. Praise God. I mean, look, when you're, you're raising children like this couple is, you know that along the way there are going to be issues. There are going to be problems. It's inevitable. You live in a fallen world. But their trust is in God. That, Lord, you're going to take care of him. You're going to give us wisdom to raise him right. You're going to raise this young man up to be a great man of God. He's going to be mighty in the earth. Amen. And there may be indications along the way that that's never going to happen. Look, my wife and I went to visit some relatives and one of them years ago had been an atheist. And we're saying, well, Lord, now tell us, show us how to pray. We've been praying for him anyway. Show us how to pray. Show us how to deal with this situation. We got there and said, well, yeah, I, I started taking courses at Liberty University. You know, I'm a Christian now. <laughs> what can I say? Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Yes, sir. We appreciate that. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. He will take care of you, but you got to put your faith and put your trust in him. Amen. 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 Come on, stand up on your feet. I want you to make a confession with me. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Repeat after me and say this out of your own heart. I am a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not a mere churchgoer. I'm not a casual Christian. I'm not a Sunday morning person. I'm a disciple every day, every hour, every minute of my life. I am disciplined. I am determined. I am prosperous. I am protected. 
and I walk in the supernatural power of Almighty God. Now give God praise and glory for it. Hallelujah.